Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me for another fabulous listener series episode. This episode is uh, with Heidi Quick, and she is actually from my hometown of Vancouver. And she was listening to my podcast. She listened to my call out for uh, listeners who would like to be on my show to share their story. And she wrote in to me, and now she's on my podcast. And I'm so excited to chat with her because I feel like her story is very relatable. I for sure can relate to her story because she uh, went to school to uh, work in the theater um, industry, in the arts industry, and that's definitely kind of what I saw for myself uh, when I was in university. Of course, I went totally left turn, right turn across the road, whatever. But she is actually working in the industry, um, and I'm super happy um, to talk to her about how she did it and how she's managing her money because it's not easy working in uh, an industry that's you know very seasonal and you know you know it's the freelancer's life. It's a, a not easy life to live. So we get into all that good stuff uh, right now. Thank you, Heidi, for joining me on the show. I'm excited to, to hear your story. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So uh, I'm so glad you reached out to me, um, and I'm so glad that we're, we're chatting because I absolutely love this kind of series that I'm doing, interviewing people that listen to my podcast and have stories that they want to share, and I'm excited to share them with other listeners, and it's kind of a fun cycle of sharing. Um, but So you're from Vancouver, and I'm from Vancouver, so that's pretty pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I uh, really enjoy reading your blog. As I said before, I found it really helpful and encouraging. Uh, just knowing there's other people out there who are thinking about their finances. Um, I've been really, I guess, ashamed to talk about my finances, especially with my friends, because it seems like I should have that stuff together. Like maybe I should have learned to manage my money earlier. So yeah, reading your blog has been really encouraging and hearing the tips you have. And yeah, just knowing there's other people out there who are like, oh, this stuff is hard. Like you need to work on this and there's stuff to learn here. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. That's awesome. Yeah, no, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think first, yeah, like I, that's something I absolutely went through and I know a lot of people go through once they kind of realize, Hey, I should probably look into organizing my finances. Once you start reading and looking into it, you're like, Oh shoot, I probably should have done this a while ago. Am I an idiot for not doing it? Yeah, obviously the sooner, you know, is better than later, but it's also like, but the second best option is right now, which is awesome that that's exactly what you're doing. So it's, it's one of those things where like, yeah, obviously I, Hey, I wish I started investing at 19, but I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. I remember it is what it is. I think I was 20 or 21 and I read a article in the newspaper of like, Sally is 20 and invests $500 a, a month and Johnny is 40 and invests $500 a month and Sally has more money. And I was like, oh. I'm 20. I should do that. Um, But at the time, I didn't have anything else established. So I was trying to save all this money when I was still using my credit cards to pay for things that were more on the needs end of the spectrum than wants. And I got all stretched around too, like feeling a pressure to save, which is a good thing Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. But before I had my monthly budget or my debt sorted out. um, And so since then, I've I've stopped putting contributions into my RSP right now. so I can pay off my debt a little bit faster, uh, which is one of those things because some people suggest you save at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting a little bit into my emergency savings every month, every month like $25. Yeah, but, but that's like, it's better than nothing. And it's, I, I, I'm 
personally, I'm very debt, like, let's kick that to the curb. So yeah. I totally understand you just being like, no, I want to focus on that, make that my priority, and then do the the saving the RSP stuff uh, after. I think that's great. But I think that's something else that's hard. There seems like so many voices. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mentioned that it's great to, to find a Canadian financial blogger um, on personal finance because there's so much out there and there's so much from the American point of view and it's just not the same as what's happening in Canada and it's not mm-hmm. the same as what's happening in Vancouver and Toronto particularly I think exactly that there's yeah. really unique uh, places to live right now um, yes <laughs> and in Vancouver at least I feel a lot of pressure to keep up appearances of like being someone who goes out and who's socializing with friends and you know I just got back from yoga class, which is awesome, but that also costs money. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure to do things that cost money, especially yeah. in the cities. Um, and this is my hometown, so mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to live anywhere else. Um, but especially coming out of college and starting to work, there's a sense of like, oh, I'm making money now. I can go spend money and have that life. And so I just did. And yeah. it's like friends would say, hey, we're going out for drinks. I'd say, okay, great. And I'd go for drinks. I wouldn't think about if I had money or not because, Mm -hmm. you know, carpe diem, like I'm young, let's go do this. Um, And I think in the last couple of years, my values have been starting to shift and I'm thinking longer term about what is the consequences of those choice. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it's hard when you're young too, because you want to be social and you want to go out because you know, well, you know, when I get older, I won't maybe have uh, time. I might have a family, so I won't be able to go out. You want to kind of take advantage of you know, the freedom you have to kind of do whatever you want. But it's also like, it's, it's, you also have to pay attention to the kind of financial repercussions of it, which is a something, you know, we're not taught when we're younger. So it's, we kind of only find out, you know, in whatever kind of way, like maybe, you know, you stumbled upon like a, my blog or a podcast or, or whatever, or you find out from friends that are starting to get into it. Like I got into it because my sister started reading blogs about it. Mm. If she didn't, I don't know how long it would have taken me to really you know, figure out all this stuff. So yeah, it's kind of, it's it's a tricky situation, but I'm glad that you've, you know, (laughs) stumbled upon it and now you're kind of uh, doing some things about it. So I want to kind of get um, into your uh, specific situation. So when you wrote to me, you said that you do um, have some debt that you're working to crush and you're obviously uh, making that your priority. So how did you get into that debt? Was it, was it student loans mainly? No, it wasn't actually. Um, I went to a two-year technical program at Douglas College in New Westminster uh, studying technical theater. And I work in that industry now, um, mostly in dance and theater and live events, doing production management and technical direction. So I love working in the arts because there's Mm -hmm. just lovely people who want to be there and it's a really great community. But I was really proud of myself that I paid for school by myself um, Mm -hmm. out of my part-time jobs and some scholarships. Um, but I also feel ashamed because all my credit card debt is consumer, all of it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a summer trip to Europe. It's, uh, clothing, it's going out for those social nights. Um, it's taking road trips. It's being on tour with one of my clients in like the UK and deciding Mm -hmm. like, screw it. I'm just going to see as much as possible, put it on the credit card because when else will I be here? Mm -hmm. And part Mm -hmm. of me doesn't regret that because I had a Mm -hmm. lot of great experiences, but I know it's not sustainable long-term. And I also know that I'd enjoy those trips and those adventures more if I wasn't worried about paying them off when I came home. Um, Exactly. So uh, at the peak, I had, my debt was about $12,000. And I had that spread out on three different credit cards, which I know is Mm -hmm. awful. 
Um, and right now today it's down to 7,900 and it's on a, I've got a loan from my bank. Uh, so nothing's on the credit cards anymore. And the, the silly thing is it actually took a friend yelling at me to go to the bank and ask for that loan. I was so scared to talk to them. I felt so ashamed about the debt I had and that Mm -hmm. was on credit cards because everyone knows that that's a bad idea, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone knows those interest rates are high, but as a freelancer, I had some bad experiences in the past at the bank, just not feeling like they would they would help me, I guess, that I, I didn't feel like legitimate enough. So I had avoided it. And a friend who used to be a financial advisor, we were talking about this and he, we were on the BC ferries coming home from Victoria and he yelled at me. He's like, what are you doing? Like, call the bank. So I did. I called the bank the next day and went in. And uh, I also had this habit of trying to pay off my debt really, really fast. And so I'd, I'd get like a bunch of income, like some new, new contracts. And I'd be like, great. Okay. I've got $3,000, put that on the credit card that's taken care of. And then the next month it'd be like, oh yeah, shoot, I forgot I had to renew this. Or I forgot I had to go to the dentist or, oh yeah, I need new contact lenses. And they weren't really unexpected things. Like I know Mm -hmm. I need new contacts every year. I know that I have to go to the dentist, but I wasn't planning for them at all. So I was in this like spin cycle of pay everything off really fast just to make sure that it looks like I'm paying stuff off and then use my credit card again to pay for those things that I needed. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, it seems like you're one step forward and then one step back. You're just kind of going, you know, back and forth and not really going forward. Totally. And it was exhausting. So I, I'm realizing also that personal finance is sometimes just like long-term and boring. It's not flashy. Um, no, so it's not. not- <laughs> own and chipping away. Um, I've got a minimum payment that automatically goes every month. And then every time I take an extra gig above what I need to live on, I put that money onto the the loan as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think, yeah, that's another kind of thing. You know, personally, it's awesome. Once you pay off your debt, you can kind of, you know, pat yourself on the back, but no one really... (laughs) cares you know no one is gonna throw you a party because you got out of consumer debt maybe we should change that (laughs) that would be great we should celebrate that more shouldn't we well and I also would get out of debt and feel really good about myself and then a month later be back in debt you know Mm -hmm. because I was going this back and forth and so then I felt like I even more couldn't talk to people because I had been out of debt sort of but it Mm -hmm. was a very temporary thing Exactly. So when you went to the bank and you consolidated all, all your debt, so it was kind of in one chunk, a little bit easier with a lower interest rate. What did you do with your credit cards after that? Oh, uh, I've I've actually kept my credit cards. Um, mm-hmm. I had three before. One of them I'm going to be closing uh, this fall. I just am waiting for one thing to be. I'm waiting for reimbursement to pay that off because. Um, I want to get to a point where I have one that I use for my business expenses mm-hmm. that are reimbursed and then one that's personal. Um, cause I still make a few online purchases. Yeah. It's good to have, it's absolutely good to have credit cards. It's just about, yeah, being, you know, being, smart with yeah. them. So now with my personal credit card, if I am buying something with it, I transfer the money right away. Same day. So like mm-hmm. I bought tickets to the P and E online, same day, transfer the money onto the visa. Um, and I also don't carry them in my wallet anymore. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> that's just really so much. smart. And it I, does. I made sure none of my online shopping accounts remember my credit cards. So I have yes. to physically go to my desk, pull it out of the bottom of the drawer and type it in. Um, yep. So it's a start. And uh, yep. so far it seems to be working. 
No, that's a really good strategy. Another thing that I learned to do was to periodically um, empty the cache on my browser, my computer browser. So, because I, you know, do lots of like uh, window shopping where I just pretend to buy something, but I don't actually go through with it. But once you like put it in the cart, lots of those websites will know and then they'll retarget ads to you. Be like, hey, remember those shoes? Yeah. Do you want to buy them? They're still in your cart. And so I try to uh, clear my cash so those uh, don't happen anymore. So, something else I did was actually close my Amazon account. Um, yes. Because I would often see a book, think, oh, it'd be great to read that book. Just go online and buy it. And it shows up tomorrow. And it's an amazing thing. But yeah. it was way too easy to shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would give myself the excuse that, oh, books are for learning and for self-growth. So that's a good thing to spend on. And it, it can be. But if I don't mm-hmm. have the money, it's not. And also you can get lots of that for free at the library. What I've tried to do to – well, my first thing – to kind of cut down on the books because yeah they're expensive but you're also like but it's good you know reading's good right it seems like it's a, a good decision to make um but when we moved we really were like we don't want to get a lot of stuff again it was so hard getting rid of all our mm-hmm. stuff when we moved from Vancouver to Toronto and so I had a Kobo so I'm like okay moving forward I'm not going to buy any physical books um I'm just going to try to get books for free on the library and you can get them to go onto your Kobo or whatever. Yeah. So you literally don't have to leave the house. And sometimes yeah, you have to put a, it on hold and wait a couple weeks, but otherwise it's fine. And yeah, once in a while if I want to buy a book, I will treat myself. Yeah. And but I I mean I love the public library and mm-hmm. I've been reading tons this summer going over there. Um I also love the free LibriVox recordings of audiobooks. So when I'm traveling because uh, I travel for work quite often, then I'll download a whole bunch of audiobooks to listen to on the planes. That's a good idea. What's it called? What's that thing? Uh, LibriVox. It's uh, all oh. free recordings of books that are in the public domain that volunteers record. Ooh, so I've never heard of that. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I really want to get into audiobooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So uh, we know, so you're at like the $7,000 mark now. What kind of things, I guess, besides consolidating uh, your debt and kind of being a bit more careful, what else have you changed in your life um, to make sure you don't repeat some of your actions and don't get into debt again and kind of go on a, a, a better path? Well, there's been a lot of, I guess, emotional growth over the last two years mm-hmm. of learning how to take the time to say, okay, is this is something I want or how does this compare to what I really want? Um, I think I really care. Well, I know I'm a person who really cares what other people think of me. So mm-hmm. I realized a lot of times I'd go out to social functions or go to see shows or go to events because I felt like I had, I had to, or had to be seen there. Mm-hmm. So just some, maybe some emotional maturity and being confident that where I'm at is okay. And I don't have to say yes to everything mm-hmm. and learning how to, uh, not over schedule as much. Um, working in the entertainment bi- business, it can get quite frantic at seasons and other <laughs> times quite slow. And it's hard to ride those waves. So one of the things I've noticed about myself is that when I take on too much work, I don't actually end up better off for it financially, because instead of taking home that extra money, I'm spending it on uh, car to go or take out food or I'm stressed out. So I go get a massage or I get another bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And so just learning what is my capacity for work? How much downtime do I need? Um, and I've been learning how to cook. <laughs> I've only started <laughs> learning how to cook really the last two years. Uh, my, 
my dear friends have been my guinea pigs and <laughs> I only once served them undercooked chicken. So oh, that'll happen. That's yeah. just, that, that'll happen to everybody. Believe me. That's why I'm still kind of like iffy about cooking chicken because I've made some people sick. <laughs> Stick with the veggie stuff. But I know, I I'm know, right. Starting to enjoy that, that taking a bit of slower time to actually make food and spend time with people and realizing I, I do really value those relationships and mm-hmm. I don't need to spend money to have that kind of goodness in my life. Absolutely. And I think, you know, going through this, you'll realize who your true friends are, the people that care about you, because they'll be the ones that don't care. If you're like, I don't want to spend money. Could we just like hang out at my house? Yeah. Then if they say, yeah, then they're a good friend. I love, that. I love having people over at my house. And I've been thinking about that too. How can I have events and get togethers that are accessible to everyone, regardless of what they can afford? Because um, exactly. they also don't want to just hang out with people who are of a certain, like, financial ability Mm -hmm. that really narrows your sphere of experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of, I I think sometimes when there isn't money involved, when you are doing something that's free or basically free, just like hanging out or going for a walk or whatever, you, you know, aren't distracted. You could really focus on whatever you're talking about and stuff like that. That's what I found. Another really practical financial thing that I've done that's eased things a lot as a freelancer um, is developing an account that uh, I call a paycheck holding account. And I think I got mm-hmm. that name from the like what, from a financial book I read. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, I think it was 2013. I, I was working full time. I had a bunch of different projects back to back, which is great. Uh, but sometimes I get paid ahead and sometimes I get paid after. Sometimes you send your invoice and they take a few weeks to process it. And that's all natural. Uh, but one month I only received a check for $238 and I'd been working straight through, but the month prior I'd felt really flush. So I'd gone out for brunch. I'd gone out for drinking. I bought myself Mm -hmm. some clothes. And then this one month I got $238 and I was like, oh man, (laughs) this isn't going to work. So I kind of had to reach around and, uh, see who could process my check, my checks that were due a little sooner so I could pay my bills on time. Mm-hmm. and I was speaking to a colleague and he's like, no, no, man, I pay myself once a week. Like I pay myself a salary. So he had set up this system as well that I read about where you put all your paychecks into an account and then you pay yourself the same thing every month. Oh my gosh. I love that. I know. I know. <laughs> and so then you're not going paycheck to paycheck. And it took me a few months to get the money into that account to get ahead. Um, but how it works for me is I get my check uh, I charge GST, so I have to separate the GST and I put it in a different savings account because mm-hmm. that's the government's money. I don't even look mm-hmm. at that. Uh, and then I put a percentage of aside for taxes, again, in another savings account because mm-hmm. I find if it's in the same account, I feel like I have more money than I yeah. do. And then the rest stays in that account and I actually have it a separate bank. So again, I don't regularly look at that account. Mm-hmm. And then I transfer a salary to myself on the 1st and the 15th in my checking account. And I found like my brain will look at the account and it's like, okay, there's like $500. Okay, that's fine. But if I look at an account and I think there's like $5,000, my spending habits are so different. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. How do you figure, how did you figure out what your salary should be? Do you just kind of, you know, look at what you made last year and use that as like, this is how it, I might, how much my, I might make this year? Yeah. I kind of came at it two ways. Uh, I looked at what I made last year uh, after taxes and I rounded down and then divided it by 12. And mm-hmm. then I also looked at from the other direction, what is the like, minimum I need to survive? Um, and including 
insurance and some medical stuff, it's about 1500 a month. And mm -hmm. then um, I gave myself a little wiggle room there. So I found a number that is covers my needs, has a little bit of room for fun things, because if it's too tight, I think that I wouldn't be able to sustain it. Yeah. And I know I'm putting aside now enough for taxes, which is another thing that it took a while for me as a freelancer to figure that out. I was spending yeah. every dollar that came in and not anticipating that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can be an unpleasant surprise come tax. I'd be like, oh, wait, I have, I owe what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's super helpful. I think that's, I've been trying to figure out a good strategy for my husband because he's also a freelancer. Mm -hmm. And I like, and I feel like we've discussed something like what you're doing, but I like that you, there's a name to put to it. I think that might almost help him kind of really grasp the concepts. So yeah. I think I might bring that up to him today. <laughs> FYI. Like, hey, I just recorded this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I learned something. You may want to try it out. <laughs> it's, been, it's been such a relief to me not living paycheck to paycheck. And mm -hmm. I always make sure I'm a month ahead. Uh, my ideal is to have a few months ahead in that account. Uh, mm -hmm. in addition, my ideal one day is to have my six month emergency savings separately, mm -hmm. but because of the nature of freelance work and your pay is never predictable, um, it just allowed me to be a bit more discerning about which work, what work I take and to just ride those waves of the busy times and the quiet times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you always want to be a freelancer or is that just kind of, you know, it just kind of happened? Uh, I don't think I would have said I want to be a freelancer, but I've always had, like, I've always worked as a freelance technician, I guess, and had, had multiple different projects. Uh, mm -hmm. I joke sometimes that if I'd known what it took, I probably <laughs> wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots of people don't realize how much work goes into being your own boss. Yeah. And when you first start working, um, like as a, general technician, you can get paid 17, 18, 19, 20 bucks an hour. And I came out of college. I was like, this is awesome. I'm getting paid so much money. Mm -hmm. But I was not thinking at all about the fact that, oh, I pay for my own tools. I pay for my own work shoes. I pay for my own insurance, my own medical. Um, so I felt like I was really flush. Mm -hmm. And that transition was hard because that's also when I got my first credit card. The bank was like, oh, you're not a student here. Have a credit card. Mm -hmm. And yeah. When I was living at home in college, I was so tight with my money because I didn't have any. Yeah. And as soon as the money comes in, it felt like, oh, okay, I have money now. I can do what I like. I know. I know. And it, it is hard, like, especially being a student and, and, you know, budgeting and being frugal, you know, being a poor student essentially. And then once you're out of that and you finally start making a good salary, you kind of feel like, not that you deserve it, but you're like, well, I did work really hard. I'm glad I got to this point. Maybe I can kind of treat myself a little bit more. Yeah. And that's kind of the danger zone, but, but we all kind of go through that. I think, I think. we all do. And, and maybe I had to, to learn some of these lessons and yeah. I'm getting, I'm realizing now like, okay, that was then this is now, like you said, just start today, just keep chipping away at it. Right. Exactly, exactly. So um, kind of wrapping up here, what um, pieces of advice would you give to others that, you know, you've learned from your experience? What would you want people to take away from your um, experience? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> uh, talk to people about your money. Uh, yes. I've started asking my friends, like, how do you handle money? And, you know, how do you talk to your spouse about money? Uh, you know, like, just, just not getting it, not hiding in the corner. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to learn how to say I can't afford it when I actually can't. 
Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, go talk to your bank. Like, yeah, actually, like <laughs> say this is my goal and I don't want to be in debt anymore. Uh, exactly. I found my banker was actually really helpful, and she she was like, "Yeah, of course you don't want to be in debt. That's great. Let's figure this out." <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't as scary as I thought. Um, yeah, I uh, I think that's where I'd start. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't be ashamed because yes. everyone is learning this and I, I wish I'd learned it in high school. might've been yeah. more useful than some other classes I was in, but <laughs> that's not the reality for most of us. And my parents are so lovely and they're awesome people, but they also had a lot of money stresses growing up. And I just learned that money was this big anxious thing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, most of us don't have this toolbox for handling your money well, and it's okay to ask questions and to learn and try things out. Absolutely. So the keys are to talk to people about it because you'll learn a lot from talking to people. I learned a lot when I first started out by talking to my friends and family about it, and it's scary being the first one to bring it up. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> people are they're waiting for someone else to bring it up. They don't want to bring it up themselves. So you might actually, you know, find that lots of people are receptive to talking about it. And then, yeah, just taking the initiative and, and learning. Don't be ashamed about being in debt because it does happen and it doesn't mean you'll be in debt forever as long as you kind of uh, take some action and, and, you know, really start shipping it away at it and have a plan and a due date and everything like that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Those are great pieces of advice that I know a lot of people will learn from and hopefully use this episode as the kind of kick in the pants that they need to yeah, get, get started. Do it. Do um, it. And I don't know if this helps other people, but I've got a coloring chart on my wall. And every time I make a payment on my debt, I color another line in. So it just makes me happy because there's this big rainbow growing on my wall. Um, I love that. That's so great. And it's kind of probably makes you a little excited when you're like getting closer and closer. Do you, I didn't ask, did you have, do you have like a, a date for when you think you're going to be debt free? You know, I don't have a specific date. Um, and I probably should, uh, mm-hmm. when I got the loan at the beginning of this year, if I only do minimum payments, it'll be a three-year mm-hmm. repayment. I really want it to be clear by the end of next year, but that's going to mean I need to sit down and look at what that means, um, how much extra shifts I need to take to put onto that debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you've got kind of a, an idea. So it could be between one and three years. Yeah. At least that's like, you know, it, it's not like, well, it might be like 10 years from now, which oh, I know oh. lots of people <laughs> deal with when they have like a $50,000 student debt. They're like, I don't know what I'm going to be debt free. I mean, it's still three years. It seems like a long time for me. And, mm-hmm. but it's nice to know that it is happening little by little every month. Mm-hmm. And years go by fast. <laughs> <laughs> Not too fast. <laughs> not too fast. Hopefully not too, too fast, but fast enough that you will reach that three-year mark or one-year mark and you'll be debt-free soon. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Heidi, for chatting with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for this opportunity. I really appreciate everything you're doing on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And that was episode 67 of the Mo Money Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for this episode at jessicamorehouse.com slash 67. Um, I'm going to kind of give a summary of this episode um, and some other interesting facts, figures, links, all that good stuff in the show notes. So make sure to check out jessicamorehouse.com slash 67. And of course, you're listening right now. You're a listener. You could be part of my listener series. Do you have a story that you would like to share um, to people who listen to 
this podcast just like you. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be a crazy, I paid, you know, my $100,000 in debt in three months or anything like that. It can just be your story about what you're going on uh, financially so other people can learn from your way of doing things. I think that is the absolute best way to, you know, educate yourself, educate others is by learning about how other people do it, what, you know, what was successful, what was not successful, and then kind of trying new things out and seeing what works and what sticks. That's absolutely how I've been kind of running things in my life for most of my life. I kind of just see what other people are doing, try it and see if it works. And if it does, then I keep doing it. So make sure to shoot me an email if this sounds like something you would like to do at Jessica at jessicamorehouse.com. That is my email. You can also tweet me. My Twitter is jessie, J-E-S-S-I underscore Morehouse, M-O-O-R-H-O-U-S-E. And I will uh, get in touch with you. But uh, thanks again for listening. And I will see you back here for a new episode next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.